1: Co-worker of yours
2: This is The Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM,
1: WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf, and I'm going to try something a little different on this warm and sunny Sunday morning. And you are going to play a major part in this experiment. Because there have been so many developments in youth and amateur sports in recent weeks, I I thought I'd let you, the listener, pick and choose which pressing topic or topics you'd like to discuss this morning. Now, let's be honest, there are several to choose from, and I'm pretty much prepared to talk about each and every one of them. But I want you to help lead the way at 877-337-6666. For example, in the competitive world of swimming, did you hear what the international governing body FINA ruled last week regarding transgender swimmers? It was quite a dramatic decision, and it's based, of course, on the ongoing controversy regarding Leah Thomas out of Penn, the Ivy League and NCAA champion swimmer. In effect, FINA has now ruled that anyone who wants to compete in international events, such as the Olympics, as a transgender, must have completed their requisite surgery before they reach the age of 12. Now, that's a pretty young age, to be sure, but that's what FINA has decided on. They feel that once a swimmer goes through uh, adolescent growth spurt as a male, that might give them an extra advantage Uh, if they transition to being a woman. And in addition, FINA is also thinking seriously about setting up a, a third separate category in addition to male and female swimmers in which transgenders can compete. You know, it's funny, as I recall, that was actually a solution that we had brought up here on the Sports Edge and talked about on this show some months ago, when, uh, when Leah Thomas was in the middle of competing in the NCAAs. And the, you know, the idea was that, well, just like there are Paralympics and there are Special Olympics, uh, maybe there should be a kind of a uh, athletic competition for all other athletes, which would include transgenders. And apparently, it seems like FINA is thinking very seriously about perhaps doing that. Okay, that's, that's one topic we can talk about this morning. Another issue we can talk about is the new age for figure skaters to compete in the Olympic Games. The age is being elevated first to 16 and then up to 17 before figure skaters can compete. The minimum age for skaters will be 16 in the 2023-24 season and then we'll go up to 17 for the 2024-25 season in time for the 2026 Winter Olympics which take place in Italy. The reason why this is happening is because, as you might recall, the Russian figure skater Kamala Valieva, she tested positive for a banned substance at the Beijing Winter Olympics back in February when she was only 15. And that sort of prompted lots of questions about what's the minimum age for competitors in figure skating because we need to really obviously want to protect the the, the mental health uh, of these minors. And obviously we want to cut back as much we can on any kind of psychological stress these kids have to go through. So they're going to raise the age to 17. What do you think about that? Is that a good idea? Or has the, uh, has the Olympic Committee, are they going too far with this? And again, this is for figure skating, which makes you think about what about gymnastics? Because it's very commonplace in, for young teens uh, to be at the top of the game in gymnastics. We'll see if they follow suit as well. Okay, another topic, which is obviously hot these days, we're very much in the middle of the NIL controversy. College athletes are eager to cash in on their name, image and likeness. And this is clearly going to change the world of college and high school sports. And of course, it's doing so already. The problem is there's just so little regulation or oversight from the NCAA, it's become a, yeah, a wild, wild west kind of situation. And most troubling is that at the at the big time Division I programs for basketball and football, coaches already are complaining that top recruits are being lured uh, by other programs with promises of six-figure or even seven-figure NIL deals. To me, and I realize I may be old school here, this is going to be a problem. What do you think? I mean, if you talk, to any, you talk to any young college athlete or high school athlete today, and, of course, they feel this move with NIL is clearly justified. I mean, come on. It's, it's, from their perspective, it's all about free enterprise, capitalism, and cashing in. But for older sports fans like myself, well, I, we're not so sure. This is really making college sports into all about free agency. In fact, I was, I was thinking this past week when it was announced that Arch Manning, the nephew of Eli and Peyton, and the grandson of Archie, has announced that he's going to play quarterback at the University of Texas. Well, <laughs> I thought that was kind of curious. And again, Arch Manning is the top quarterback prospect in the country, because the University of Texas has a kid named Quinn Ewers, who was all lined up to play quarterback there. If you remember that name, we talked about Quinn Ewers uh, a few a few months ago as part of this whole NIL situation. Ewers was a superstar high school quarterback from Texas who decided at the last moment not to go to the University of Texas, but to go to Ohio State pretty, pretty much because the state of Texas at that time, just a couple of years ago, didn't allow NIL for athletes. But the state of Ohio did. And yet last year as a freshman at Ohio State, Even though Ewers brought his seven-figure NIL deal with him to Columbus, he rarely played. He just didn't play at all, practically. Maybe one or two snaps the entire season. So after that situation, Ewers decided, well, maybe I should go back home. And he transferred to Texas because he felt, after all, I'll go there I'll get a lot more playing time. I'll be the star quarterback. And after all, the state of Texas has now, does allow NAL for its athletes. In any event, you can only imagine Quinn Ewer's surprise when suddenly top quarterback recruit Arch Manning decides to go to the same school. That was going to make for a very, very interesting competition uh, later later this year, both on the field and, let's face it, off the field, in terms of NIL money. In fact, there was a, a, a three-day summit recently for college athletes talking about NIL, and what was curious was that most of the college athletes said it was really not up to the school, but it was up to them individually to to go out and hustle and find their own NIL deals, that very few colleges were doing anything to help these these student-athletes. In other words, while some of the big-name stars Are already collecting big money in college. Most other teammates and peers were pretty much left to scramble on their own to find sponsors. So what's happening right now is why some colleges have clearly made NIL a priority. Many others are still looking to basically uh, find some direction and they're trying to staff up to help their athletes. Remember this is all brand new wild wild west kind of territory and there are very few experts out there on NIL. It seems like an area to me which is ripe for change. Yet the competition in the NIL space is going to force colleges and universities to adapt, whether they want to or not. Some big-time programs, by the way, have started what's known as, as collectives. Collectives are sort of like groups of alumni boosters and fans who all contribute to one fund, which is then aimed to provide NIL money to their school's athletes and why that might seem like a pretty good idea to start like a more equitable way to uh, to basically uh, distribute cash to their athletes again it's all sort of brand new and not really regulated and that's where the concerns come into this collectives have come under scrutiny because there are all sorts of uh, rumors about, uh, you know, inducements to recruits and transfers that come in. In other words, if you come to my school, my college, then we'll make sure you're guaranteed a lot of money from this collective uh, bunch of dough that we've collected from the alums in the Booster Club. I mean, this is, this is screwy kind of stuff. It's scary. 877-337-6666. And before we go to a break, because I do want to get your thoughts and comments about any of these topics— Right next to NIL deals is the NCA transfer portal, and that's here to stay. Transfer portal, what do you feel about this? What are your predictions? I mean, if you're you're an athlete who is a breakout year at your current college, aren't you going to be tempted to go to a bigger university where there is more media exposure and presumably, yes, more NIL money? How does all this get supervised by the NCAA? I mean, I, for years, the NCAA has always complained that they never had enough manpower to oversee all the infractions. And now we have transfer portal concerns and NIL. And don't forget, just last summer, the NCAA lost nine, the ruling of 9 nothing, nine zero, in a Supreme Court case, the NCAA versus Austin, in which the entire Supreme Court agreed that the NCAA as it's currently put together, is on thin ice. A direct quote, quote on that case from Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, the NCAA's business model would be flatly illegal in almost any other industry in America, end quote. So, I mean, the NCAA, they're, just, they're trying to watch their own situation as to whether or not they're going to be a viable entity moving ahead. Now, look, the point is, and you get this, won't some big-time D1 coaches have, in effect, a secret army of recruiters who scour other colleges? and who will try to uh, basically woo top promising athletes to their school? I mean, I can very much envision a top Division III player being, quote-unquote, unofficially wooed to transfer to a top D1 program. Not only would the kid get a full scholarship, since, of course, D3s don't give money, but also get NIL money. Seems very logical and very human and also very fraught with all sorts of concerns. Remember... These are the kind of concerns we're talking about here. And, I, you know, I, I, I want to talk about these issues with you this morning. Uh, the, the, the NCAA is trying to figure all this out as I go along, uh, which concerns me because they have their own issues uh, in terms of manpower and, and trying to enforce everything. And, again, it seems that the, uh, the NIL and transfer portal, they're here to stay. Remember, the transfer portal, by the way, that's only been around for really just about four years. It was introduced back in 2018, so that, too, is still a work in progress. That's clear, but not much else is clear. Okay, that's the menu for this morning. Pick out a topic you want or feel free to select another topic from the world of amateur or youth sports, and that's, let's get it going here. 877-337-6666. I'm asking you, the Sports Edge audience, to pick and choose a topic to talk about this morning, whether it's the the impact of NIL or of the transfer portal in college or raising the age of olympic figure skaters to 17 or banning transgender swimmers from international competition uh unless they went through their transition before the age of 12 877 337 6666 let's start our conversation with uh with David who's uh somewhere on the road this morning David good morning you're first up on the fan uh
0: hey hey morning uh Rick uh thanks for taking my call uh, really enjoyed this intro and, and your approach to sports topics. Um, uh, I, I wanted to just sort of touch base uh, with regard to the NIL um, topic and try to bridge it into some bigger topics. You know, I guess the question I have, and maybe you can help answer it, there's a lot of money uh, in, in college sports, clearly, right? and yes, um, of course. You know, we, we hear about tremendous amounts of dollars for paying, you know, for the deal, TV deals, and the coaches, and um, – you know, it also makes me think about the whole college industry of college. And, and you know, you can see now college tuition has expanded tremendously. It's, it's so much more expensive for kids to go to college. And I guess the question I have overall, where is all this money going? You know, why is every, you know, college sports trip generates a lot of dollars. The tuition is so high. You hear about kids, you know, graduating college with tremendous debt. Where is it going? Who's getting all this money? I'm curious. Is it is it the professors? Is it, you know, is it the dorm RAs? I, I don't get it. You know, maybe you can help me out.
1: <laughs> well, David, I don't think I have all the answers on that one because obviously you're asking a very, very, very smart, and very difficult question um yes we all know that uh, college sports particularly at the division one level for the revenue producing sports and uh, obviously football and basketball come to mind but there are other ones as well. Uh, you know down south uh, Division one baseball is is big money uh, certainly ice hockey uh, at the d1 level can be a lot of revenue uh, women's basketball of course I mean the point is that the fact is there are some some revenue producers but the truth is most of the college sports Sports do not make money. Uh, they are lo- they are losses for the university, and somehow the university has to find a way to support all those. Now, obviously, that comes from the the monies that are generated from the revenue sports, but. Again, in terms of why college is so expensive, I'm not an expert as to why that is, except we all know that tuition does go up every year, room and board, books, all that stuff. Um, Yeah, I mean, we also know that uh, top professors, university presidents, uh, they make uh, hundreds of thousands in salary um, because obviously they're out there trying to, particularly the presidents, trying to, to woo the alums to give more money back to the school. But then again, the other question always sort of pops up is, well, why do these universities have such staggering amounts of money as endowments? I mean, I, I, my own alma mater, Harvard, I mean, I think they have an endowment, the last time I checked, of something like $40 billion. That's 40 with a B, 40 billion. And where is why? Where is that money being spent? Can't some of that money find its way back to athletic programs or to, uh, you know, other situations that the school needs? I don't know. I mean, it's it's a concern. And the other side of the coin is, as you said, the fact is so many kids come out of college these days so deeply in debt uh, with, with, uh, with uh, student loans. And that's why we're in the middle right now, of trying to have a situation where we're trying to get President Biden to try to ease and and release kids from some of those so staggering debts. It is a problem, but in terms of the world of sports, this is, <laughs> let's face it, a lot of money is being generated here. And and NIL, as I said earlier on, the kids who are who are in college, uh, they think this is all fair because, after all, the universe, the college, the, um, the the coaches they play for. Some of them make you know, multiples of millions of dollars, uh, and basically the kids are the ones out there doing the, the hard work on the fields and running the risk of injury. So there's, there's a lot of contra- controversy about this. Um, I don't think anybody has an idea yet as to how to f- solve all this. So right now it is what it is, and again, we're, we're trying to figure this out uh, bit by bit by bit. Anyhow, David, thank you for the call. Interesting perspective on this. I'm not sure I can provide any insight, but at least we know there are concerns out there. Let's go to uh, let's go to Louie out in Lindbergh. Hey, Lou, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, Rick, how are you? Good. How are you?
3: All right. Uh, one question I'd like to
4: present is uh, the kid now says when he when he's going to a coach, he says, "What are you going to offer me?" Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it used to be before. What can you do for me? as a player
1: now what are you going to offer me and then how are you going to coach me <laughs> it, you know Lou, you really sort of nail on the head it wasn't that long ago where, where for, if a kid was being recruited uh, at some point he or his parents or she or his parents would say to the college coach okay uh, I, I'm really interested in going and playing for you. Uh, a couple of thoughts. First of all, is, is there any athletic scholarship money uh, you can offer me? And obviously that's a very important consideration because, you know, if there is money, that that's, has to be discussed as to what kind of scholarship the kid might get. The second question is usually like, okay, coach, uh, if I come here to the program, what what's my chances of being a starter my freshman year, you know? Now the third question into the mix is, okay, Am I going to start my freshman year? How much money are you going to give me in scholarships? And you just said, Lou, now the question is, how much extra NIL money are you going to promise me? <laughs> it's
4: ridiculous. Rick, before, before it used to be that kids are being interviewed by the coach. The kid is interviewing the coach.
1: Yeah, I mean, this, this, this is a business transaction, and, and if the kid doesn't ask the question, guarantee you somebody, either a family counselor or their parents, or somebody's going to say, but, you know, this is a, a pretty big school, pretty big university, you guys have uh, millions in your endowment, and you guys have a big athletic program, what kind of NIL? And honestly, if you're the coach, and you really want to get this kid to go to your school, you better have a pretty good answer. You just can't talk in, in vague terms like, well, we're still trying to figure this out or we're still trying to find somebody to be hired for uh, to head up an NIL department. No, <laughs> too many universities already have these things in place. Um, yeah. And, and I, you know, I know some universities, they say, well, we have to put you in touch with our sports information department. Maybe they can help you with NIL or they might say something. Uh, Well, you're on your own in terms of generating um, uh, your own sponsors and whatever that's that's the last thing a kid wants to hear uh, Because they know that other universities and perhaps other schools that are trying to recruit him or her are saying you come here We guarantee you you're going to get an extra, uh, you know $5,000 a month in NIL money I I don't know how you handle that if you're the coach and by the way It's not just D1 programs people forget NIL applies to D2 D3 uh, high school in many cases it it Lou I I mean come on I mean you have coach for many years how how do you, how would you handle this how do you do this kids are interviewing you yeah. you're not
4: interviewing kids and how to bring them in they're interviewing you to come in yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> what are we doing
5: here? That's what I want to know. What's going on here?
1: <laughs> it's, we live in a wild, wild west, my friend. It's things that just changed 100 de- 180 degrees. No question. Hey, Lou, th- thanks for the call. <laughs> Thank <Take care laughs> <of> you, <yourself, Ray. laughs> hey, Yeah, good luck. Uh, I mean, but Lou's right. Everything has changed. It's now all of a sudden the it's the student athlete, the recruit, who holds all the cards. And that's really what it's beginning to be more and more about. Let's move on. Let's go to Howard Beach. And, and Dan is uh, next up. Hey, Dan, good morning.
5: minimum ten dollars per order additional terms apply old man winter here
2: if I had it my way it would stay winter all year long short days wind chill black ice and a good polar vortex oh <laughs> heaven wait is it getting warm in here
1: your cold snap is over old man winter spring has arrived
2: sure Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.
3: What's up, Rick? Good morning. Um, so, sorry to bring up such a sensitive topic, but, you know, um, with transgenderism, you know, with with the Olympics, with that, with that guy that went there, and he just blew by... These young girls, these young girls, they sweat and tears, blood and everything. And all of a sudden, this guy comes in and just blows by them, destroyed them. There's got to be a line that's drawn. So at what point is enough enough? So are we going to put female transgenders in the NFL or as a kicker? All right, so you miss an extra point or a doink that gets blocked. And it's between you and this transgender woman, you're going to just declete her? No, because we're made different in that in that essence. When is enough enough? I, I'm just, listen, I get it. It's sensitive. People choose their own, whatever the case is. Yep. But that was so unfair. What that guy, I'm sorry, that was a man versus all these young women that trained their butts off, and he got the gold unwarranted. No way that that should have been legal. But Hey, you know what? Everything's cool. Everything's good. No, no, no big whoop, right?
1: No, well, Dan, it is.
3: It is a big problem.
1: It, Dan, this is exactly, uh, and, and that's exactly what we're talking about. Uh, and thank you for your call, because you know, on one hand, yes, we all believe in, in obviously, gender equity. Title IX has been a huge, huge win uh, for all female athletes. We all agree upon that. But it gets a little tricky when you start saying, okay, now we're going to have a compete on the same equal playing field, and suddenly you sort of say, well, you know, uh, and it's a very ticklish, very diplomatic uh, kind of subject, say, so, well, this... this this individual who, who dominated in this sprint or in this race, this swim. I mean, the fact is that uh, that woman used to be a guy uh, and obviously went through adolescence as a guy and benefited from all the growth spurt and testosterone as a as male. And now he's uh, transitioned to being a woman. And he, this is the whole argument that somehow th- these individuals have a built-in sort of Advantage because they're bigger, stronger, faster. This is what we're talking about. This is why FINA decided, well, we think we're going to basically say, no, you can't compete uh, unless you've gone through your transition before the age of 12, which is obviously before adolescence. That wasn't just an age they pulled out of a hat. They said, we want to do it before they go into their teenage years. And two, they're basically saying we want to be fair and equitable uh, so everybody understands that they need a, a level playing field. And that's why they're suggesting we may have a new category for all other athletes who aren't basically male or female or, you know, uh, in terms of their, 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 their sex and gender. So this is what we're talking about here. Again, we live in unusual times. Uh, We all want to have equity. We all want to be equal. But at the same time, we also have to understand there are some biological differences that go into the mix. So, I mean, nobody has a a, a precise answer. Nobody has a complete answer. Nobody has any real sense of of a definitive way out of this. But it's something that we're clearly talking about, something that that, um, have to be addressed. And there will be decisions being made. It's as simple as that. I mean, obviously, Leah Thomas was allowed to, to compete uh, in college, uh, in the Ivy League, and also the NCAAs. And by the way, FINA, if I understand, FINA is mostly for international competitions like the Olympics. I don't think necessarily they have any ruling power over the NCAAs, but obviously all these Governing bodies, they like to be on the same page so there aren't any conflicts of interest as, as competitions take place. Interesting stuff. Again, there are no answers. We're trying to find our way, you know, step by step. All right. Let me let me take a another break here. When I come back, I want to continue with your calls. Uh, we can talk about nil transfer, whatever you want. Um, because I think this is this is this all these topics need real conversation, and and I appreciate very much you giving a shout in here at 877-337-6666. When I return, I'll go right back to your calls. Stay with me. Hey friends! Don't forget you can always find me at askcoachwolf.com, and you can get a preview of the next uh, coming show on Twitter at askcoachwolf. Uh, we're talking this morning about a variety of issues, and, and uh, you know what? What do you feel is the biggest pressing topic in terms of amateur and youth sports today? Whether it's NIL. We just heard from, from Alou from Lindbrook uh, as a longtime coach saying everything is, the table's a turn. Now it's the kids basically interviewing the coach and the university as to, you know, why I should go there. I mean, it, it's in terms of how much money are you going to pay me, not just in terms of a scholarship, but also in terms of, of NIL money. It, it's, it's really unbelievably how quickly these things have, have come about. The transfer portal is here to stay. Uh, you're going to see kids realizing, well, in the old days you had to sit out a year if you transfer it from one program to the next at the D1 level. Nowadays, you know, it's just going to be, uh, okay, let's, uh, let's move on. And, and if I go to your school, am I going to play right away? I mean, it's just unbelievable. Okay, let's, let's get back to our callers at 877-337-6666. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Hall of Fame coach Jack Smithlin over in, uh, in Jersey. Jack, good morning. Jack, let me ask you this. Speaking of NIL, let's say you're a Division three yeah. coach. Softball coach, and um, you're trying to recruit uh, some, some softball players for your your program. Um, I mean, I mean, have you thought about it? NIL? how is that going to work with you? Certainly, you've got to be thinking about this as a recruiting part of the package, correct?
4: Oh definitely, but before I get started, I just want to say this: um, you know I never thought your shows could get any better than they usually are, but you know this is like being at a Chinese restaurant today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one from column A and two from column B. I don't know where to start, but being that you brought up that topic, I'm going to start right there. You know, right now I'm trying to recruit this girl, local girl from New Jersey, who's being also looked at by a D1 school. Now, I coach at a D3 school, I coach at New Jersey City University mm-hmm. in Jersey City, which alone um, is a tough place to recruit to, even though Jersey City is being built up beautifully more restaurants, so it's a little bit easier to recruit to Jersey City. But the good thing is is that St. Peter's is also in Jersey City. So this coach is looking at this girl, and I'm thinking, you know what, what can we possibly do? You know, I'm thinking maybe I could buy her a a free pass to McDonald's for a year or something like that. I don't know. But, you know, here we are looking at this, and I'm ready to call. I am ready to call and reach out to an alumni that's very, very into helping coaches at New Jersey City University recruit, I'm going to call him up and ask him what his suggestions are. We have a – right down at the end of campus, we have a diner. And, you know, everybody goes and eats in this diner. And, it, and and our university is good advertisement for this diner. I might go in and approach this person and ask them if they have anything so we can get this great this great player. And, you know, it, it's funny because it is the – NIL is now opening up doors, but, you know, like Lou was talking, I believe, about, you know, that NIL stuff is basically for that select athlete, that kid yes. that can go in and say that, you yes. know, that quarterback from Texas and Ohio State and back to Texas again. I mean, this kid can't buy a break, but, you know, but he's still a very rich boy because of it. Correct. Um, you know. It's a great topic. It really is a great topic. this is and and the Nil opens up doors for coaches like me, you know maybe maybe she's not that great that this d one coach um, from St Peter's really needs her. He has four outfielders coming back. I just graduated all three of my starting outfielders, so there's a plus for me if this kid wants to play right away. So yes, the Nil opens up the doors for every single coach d one d two d three possibly even these great junior colleges, these Juco teams that are great programs, so you know it's it, that's a great topic but Jeff, you know, here's, here's the here's the
1: concern though it's as you well know since you've been you know out in the recruiting wars uh you know, trying to find kids to come to your program. That's hard enough on its own. And the the traditional recruiting of of scouting kids and talking to them and doing your your background and on and so on and so forth. Now you're saying, okay, I can try to find a way to to get them to consider going to New Jersey City University if I can find them some extra NIL money. That adds another... That's another piece of the puzzle or another load that goes on to you as the coach. And I can just see if the kid decides to, you get a kid some some extra cash uh, on a a monthly basis, won't the other uh, women on the team sort of say, well, how come, coach, you didn't do that for me as well? I mean, it gets to be sort of a tricky proposition, don't you think? Yeah, but you know what my answer to that is? Seriously, I didn't need to. You know, you, oh. you chose
4: to come here. I recruited you. You came here. You know, we're looking at, listen, if a player's playing for me and for, for Ashley Martinez, you're there because you love the game. D3, yeah. you know, used to be the game of I'm there because I love the game because of you course. don't get any money. The <laughs> yeah, only but... kind of money you get is, is academic money. But now this opens up the door. And now maybe we people who want to stay home and want to stay near Jersey City, now maybe they're going to start coming to us that are D one and maybe D D two material, and they'll come to us and say, "Listen, you know, if you want me to come here, you know." And that opens up the door. It's another option.
1: I you know, I, it, I agree. It, I mean, it's, it's just huh. it's just going to be another interesting sort of. Uh, uh, it's be interesting to see how all this plays out. That's what I'm trying to say. And we, as you said, and I agree with this, at the D1 level with the big superstar athletes who are being recruited by all the top programs, of course, that's a different kind of strata and there's much more money that's going to end up in the kid's pocket from the various sponsors and collectives and whatever. But clearly, kids at the D2 or D1 programs, which are mid-majors or at the D3 level, it's going to change. And uh, yeah, a kid may come to you coach and say you know uh i went out and i got my own sponsor uh my own nil sponsor hope that's okay you say sure you know i mean it's just the way it is um it's just i don't know it's gonna be interesting how it all plays out jack thank you for the insights um and on what's happening with your program and being a coach or recruits it's interesting thanks for the call jack we'll talk soon let me move on to uh let's go to guy out in southwest missouri guy good morning welcome to the fan
5: Hey, good morning. Good morning. I've I've enjoyed listening to the show the last uh, couple of months, and thought I'd take a shot and call in. But thanks for taking my call. Sure. You know, I, and I think you know the transfer the, the reporter is probably the least of my concerns. I you know I understand that, given a you know one time deal where kids can move on. And right now, you've got so many kids, men and young men and women that are all you're stuck on that escalator because of the COVID years. Mm-hmm. So they've got. You know, it's just backed up Yes, things where you've got kids coming out of high school now that really don't have a place to go. And if they do get somewhere, maybe they push someone out of a starting role that they would have had otherwise. So I'm okay with that. And NIL, I think, is just a mess. Uh, I think it's it's something that, you know, we here in Southwest Missouri, and I know people that typically are listing now Missouri State's part of the Missouri Valley Conference. They lose maybe the best player in the conference. He goes to Mizzou. Yep. You know gets a house and a car and a six figure <laughs> income uh, you know another kid from uh, from here went to high school here went to Mizzou as a player and now he's decided that he's going to Arkansas for a six figure income and he's walking into an Arkansas team that he's probably not going to see any playing time
1: yeah wow well, <laughs> uh, with everything that
5: they've got coming back
1: I mean I, I mean it, it's it sits there and, and you sort of say well, who's who's the victim here because as i said early on in in the program guy it's uh the kids today all feel a sense of entitlement they figure well Gee whiz! My, the college coach is making millions of dollars. How come I can't cash in? I'm the one out there, you know, busting my hut, uh, my butt, and running sprints and trying to get in the game. And uh, you know, I don't. All I get is maybe a little scholarship money. But uh, why? Why does, Why don't I get some extra money for doing this? So we basically have turned our our college athletes. Um, if there was any question in the past as to whether or not they were professionals, they are now professionals. They're getting paid. Simple as that.
5: Uh, they are indeed, and I, I don't think anything's going to rain this in except perhaps maybe, uh, you know, over 50 years of Title IX, you know, the, the women get involved and say, wait a second, all this money's going, you know, to, to, to college football, to these players, and going to the, you know, the, the Division One, you know, uh, one-and-done type uh, college basketball players, and maybe some baseball especially when you get into the, into the SEC, but, you know, things have just changed so much. I can remember when I was in school, I'm a former college uh, NCAA quarterback and, and NCAA baseball player. Mm-hmm. Uh, both my sisters were good athletes. Um, then I went into administration. But when I was in high school and elementary school, if I got sent home with a note, I was in trouble. <laughs> I mean, I I was eating spinach standing up for a few days. And <laughs> yeah, but I mean, when I got into teaching, then if the teacher sent a note home, the teacher was in trouble.
1: Well, as you well know, guy, things have changed since the time you were playing sports in high school and college, Um, and quite frankly, uh, the whole whole landscape and the the relationship between student athletes and coaches and parents, uh, as we have documented on the show for years, it's changed dramatically. And uh, you know, it's just the way it is. And kids today, they have a sense of you know I, i'm a good athlete i want to go to the school i want to i'm being recruited i'm going to ask the coach who's recruited me this is great love to go here a will i start as a freshman because if i'm not i'll look at some other school and b uh how much nil money are you going to generate and and you know for me because i don't have to do any work i just have to maybe do a couple of autograph signings or do a couple of social media posts but that's real money in my pocket and as you said it's nowadays you got kids going through college who are making literally uh, uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars off these deals, it, you got to wonder at some point who, who's going to corral all this in. Because quite frankly, I don't think the NCAA is going to have the power to do this. Uh, hey, Guy, thanks for listening and thanks for the call this morning. I, I do think this is what we're looking at here. And again, uh, I know I've mentioned this in, in, uh, in years past, But again, it bears repeating, really think the time has come to give some serious thought about having a commissioner of youth sports in this country, uh, some sort of panel of experts who could basically be independent uh, and look over the landscape and decide, okay, how are we going to basically corral all this in and do the right thing for not just the student athletes, but for the schools and everybody who's involved? Because right now, this is a free-for-all, and it's... um, People have more questions than ever about NIL, transfer portals, what do I do, what are my rights as a student athlete, and so on and so forth. I think that's, that seems to be the next step. Let's move on. Let's go to Ron over in Wyckoff. Hey, Ron, good morning. You're next up on the fan.
0: Good morning, Rick. Just
4: interesting to talk to you about. You're concentrating all this conversation about NIL. It's talking about a very few athletes. Let's talk about the reality. Only 5% of high school athletes go on to college. The general problem in youth sports is the parent. They have unrealistic expectations. I'm involved in a league, and I've been urging for years that they have a forum where the parents understand that the scholarship availabilities are absolutely very, very limited for a very few students. In the meantime, these parents are spending thousands of dollars chasing their unwanted dreams and creating all sorts of problems at the youth level, but we don't have enough officials unless they deal with the parents and get them in line and get the officiating back, there's going to be no youth leagues because there's going to be no one who
1: wants to deal with it. That's correct. I mean, we've been talking about that on the show for, I don't know, two decades, Ron. We're all aware of the fact that the sports parents and their expectations. The problem is this. When the the, the athletic directors at the high school level or the coaches sit down with the parents before each season and they explain to them, according to the latest NCAA stats, that less than 4% of all high school varsity athletes, less than four percent will ever make a a college team, whether it's division one, division two, or division three, the parents sit there and they, they hear this and they nod their head and then they say to themselves, Well, yeah, but my kid will be one of those three or four percent who do go on to play in college. They don't they don't they don't seem to understand that ninety six percent of the kids, which is a pretty high percentage, are not gonna go on high school sports. They just don't get it. So they feel that, they're, that every time the kid doesn't get enough playing time, or the coach doesn't make them a captain, or the kid doesn't make the all-league team, or the kid isn't um, uh, is playing out of position, what happens is that the, the, uh, the parent thinks that obviously the coach uh, is, doesn't know what he's doing or doesn't know what she's doing. The AD is incompetent. The referees, the umpires are incompetent, and it, they get out of control because they're spending a lot of money to make sure their kid gets on to uh, to play sports in college and gets a, a full scholarship or goes to the college of their choice because they've been recruited. It's out of control, and yet the parents still don't seem to understand any of this. That is a huge concern. And, uh, yeah, that is the essence of what we talk about here pretty much every Sunday on the Sports Edge. Let's uh, let's move on. Let's go to Dan and Howard Beach. Dan, good morning. You're on the fan. Dan, oh, I guess Dan, we lost him. Well, let me just go on this pathway here because I do think this has been a terrific show because we've covered – this is a really good forum to talk about all these issues because we're hearing from, obviously, sports fans, parents. We're hearing from college coaches. I mean – the shifting sands of, of amateur and new sports in this country, as we've discussed for years on the program, it's really sort of coming – it's all sort of accelerating. There are things that are happening that would have never even been considered, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. But it's changing and changing dramatically. And, and I just – I don't know. I, I, As I said, whether it's NIL, uh, because this is going to have to be somehow corralled. Uh, there's going to be at some point somebody somewhere is going to either file a lawsuit because the kid feels they got um, uh, were treated not fairly. Um, the NCAA, which, again, even when I was coaching uh, back in the day uh, at the collegiate level, the NCAA always would complain that they didn't have enough manpower to oversee and to uh, basically enforce all the rule infractions that to see what was going on. So now we've got problems. I mean, it, it's, it's a concern uh, as to how they're going to now try to, A, not monitor what's happening with the transfer portal, because yeah we've seen that the, how many thousands of college students have jumped on the transfer portal because they don't have the city here and they figure well maybe the grass is greener if i go to another college where i can play and, and start and so on and so forth but then when that happens how, who who oversees all that how does a kid the kid may go in the transfer portal, but as a kid being having secret conversations with that other uni- that uh, next university coach about if I come there will I start and so on and so forth. What about the scholarship money? I mean that that's a concern. Um, number two, of course, is right on top of that is NIL. If I'm going to transfer. Maybe I'm going to transfer because uh, at that next school I attend, there's going to be NIL money because right now the school I'm at doesn't have that kind of resource. They don't have anybody overseeing that. They're telling me if I want to get some extra money, cash in my pocket as a student athlete, well, that's fine, but go out and do it on your own. And from what I read right now, that's exactly what's happening uh, in most programs. The, the, the schools are telling the athletes, yeah, if you want to go out and talk to a local, you know, pizza shop about being your, your sponsor, then go ahead and do that. But we can't do that. We're not going to do that. But now the kid has a really great year, and now he's looking at other schools. <laughs> next thing you know, they're saying, you come here, we'll get you another $5,000 a month from, from NAL money. That's a concern because, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just a, I say, it's a free-for-all. And, of course, we're seeing those other changes here in terms of the whole recruiting process. I mean, who, who – you know, what's happening next? What, what's the next great development going to take place? Is the NCAA basically just going to fill up the tent and go out of business? And so it's going to be run by individual uh, college conferences? How are they going to look, oversee the rules I mean, how does this work? And let's say you're, you're a college athlete in a program. This always concerns me that um, you see your star quarterbacks getting, you know, a million dollars for uh, NIL, and you're not getting anything. And yet you're, you're there basically as a lineman, an anonymous lineman, to help protect that quarterback from getting pummeled. Aren't you going to want to get some of that money too? Don't you feel that that's not fair? It doesn't seem – it's supposed to be equal for all the teammates – how come some teammates are treated better than others and uh yeah, I think that's something that has to be addressed at some point it it's really it's really getting to a point where i think we as i said i i and i come back to this in the weeks to come but having a, a commission or a commissioner of youth sports in this country would be an independent group of um of experts uh, I mean you'd have everybody there from um i don't know um an experienced uh uh, educator, from college, from high school, maybe have a psychiatrist, uh, some other coaches, I mean pediatricians, orthopedic surgeons, but some real panel of Blue Ribbon experts who could see all this from, a, from afar and say let's talk about what parents need to know and what colleges need to know when it comes to making sure we keep college and high school sports on the right path in terms of not only having fun but being productive and keeping their mental health in, in perspective as well. Okay, that's going to do it for me and this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks, as always, to Ed in the Zoom in. Moose is up next. I'll see you next Sunday right here on the Sports Edge.
2: How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage.